wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week, uh, we're talking about God, how good was God when he created hell. And today, uh, we're simply asking, what did Christ say about judgment and hell? Uh, today, our co-host is Eric Horn. Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Eric. Thank you, Pastor Gary. It's wonderful to be back again. It really is good to have you uh, uh, have you with us today. Welcome to winter. Yeah, well, I'm still hanging on to my shorts. I, I made a vow to myself this year that I'm going to hang on to them as long as I can, wear them right through as far as I can go into the winter months. And I'll tell you what, today wasn't a bad day. I think got up to 20, but tomorrow the rain's coming. The mornings are getting cold, though, and the nights. We yeah, that's have... right. But you are a very one very tough Kiwi. <laughs> uh, I mean, we won't advertise the fact that you're a Kiwi, but you're still in your jandals and your shorts this far into the year. Well, this really isn't cold when you you go to Invercargill about this time of the year. Yeah, I, I did live in Christchurch for four years and uh, in fact I think I got to know you when we were in Christchurch and uh, uh, I have to take my hat my, my hat my hat off to the uh, uh, to those wonderful uh, New Zealand uh, folk they're a marvelous uh, group of people but how they uh, deal with the, that temperature over there in shorts and jandals is a total uh, mystery mystery to me hey tell me how is the exercise program actually going well it's still going Gary which is good to say um, uh, it is hard in the mornings when it's so cold, I, I go for a run around about seven o'clock in the morning. Goodness me, um, you're doing well. I, I I've gone a little bit later. <laughs> I've pushed mine back a couple of hours actually, <laughs> and I'm still doing my circuit. I do about um, I actually run around to my uh, son's place and uh, help put uh, my granddaughter on the bus. So it's about a, a one and a half k's, and then I run a one and a half back. I do that from Monday right through to Friday. Saturday I don't run, and then Sunday I do a five and a half k, uh, which I quite enjoy uh, doing that and uh, yeah so it keeps me going yeah, and yeah. and it really um, keeps me active at my age do you um, do you use one of these fitness apps at all I do I actually have a watch um, <clears throat> that uh, was bought for me and it's uh, it's it's uh, connected through the Wi-Fi and uh, uh, when I get home it actually connects through to my computer or phone and it just downloads automatically as soon as I plug it into my computer it just downloads so uh, what's what I've just run so what it does is it uh, it tells me the time I did actually shows me the route that I've run on. Yes, on yes, yes. Pretty yes. smart these things. Oh yes, uh, and it gives me a progress so I can see. Uh, what I've actually done for the year or for the last year, and it gives yeah. me progress, gives me my times and everything else. Doesn't answer the phone, but uh, you know it's not a phone app one. But <laughs> I tell you what, but this you what. I, I am just so impressed because I certainly also. I mean, I started uh, walking regularly probably about three years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, each year I try to uh, I try to cover about seven and a half kilometres about uh, uh, four to five times a week, and mm-hmm. I, uh, I I do power walking. I don't run. Uh, uh, but I walk at about eight kilometres an hour, which is a, mm. a, 
pretty reasonable pace, so I'm so I'm actually told by those who uh, who do actually uh, uh, do exercise. Um, but I started using a sports tracker mm. uh, app, and uh, I am amazed. I've actually just been doing it for eleven months. I've just started my twelfth month uh, mm. today, and I looked at the uh, the summary, and I thought, Wow, have I really done that? You know, I mean. Uh, 220 activities, uh, walking for 211 hours for a distance of 1,632 kilometres. I thought, wow. wow. I actually plugged this into uh, my, my mathematical tables and I thought, wow, this is really um, quite, quite remarkable. That's the distance from Adelaide to Sydney over the past uh, 12 months. And Man, you're going to have to enter the Masters Games, I think. The, the, the Masters Games. No, 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 no. People... <laughs> People run a lot, uh, a lot faster than me. But uh, um, what I like about my one too, Pastor Gary, is that when you uh, look at what you've done for the day, or you go back, and it's actually got the the line going where where you run to. It actually gives you your heart rate. You can actually click on it. It shows what your heart rate's like. Yeah, I'm uh, frightened to use that part of the app. <laughs> I mean, there are some parts of the app I prefer to sort of stay uh, stay silent on. No, not really, not really. Well, but. I went out uh, to the doctor the other day um, just for a check up and he did, I was I think 123 over 80 so he said from I'm nearly 70, he said that's good, that's good, he says wow. you exercise and I said yeah so exercise is very important to it keep is, moving. It is, it is and that's one of the things we need to encourage our uh, listeners you know I mean to be able to put that, I know I actually started an exercise program when I was started to, to recognise that there was health issues that were starting to build up uh, with me and uh, since I've been exercising the transition has been out of this world, there's really been a major change. And, you know, when the doctors are actually saying, hey, look, you know, it's important to exercise more, how important that really is and what a significant difference it actually makes in your entire life. Yeah, and when I started, you know, I could hardly run anywhere and so you've got to start off slow. But as you build into it, just keep going, do you know, do the same one for a while and then build up to it. It's amazing what you can achieve. And it's actually amazing how excess weight does actually drop off you and Mm. it does it quite naturally. You don't Mm. have to do it at, uh, you know, a a huge pace, you know, just uh, half a kilo a week knocking that off you. It can actually make a really big difference over a period of three or four months and uh, I certainly did in uh, in my own case but look let's uh, move on from uh, talking about uh, our our health uh, to uh, our our world watch segment uh, came across an article uh, the uh, uh, a day or so ago this was written uh, by Dr. Jim Dennison and it was talking about uh, Lego and I thought well what is it that Lego can actually teach us I mean I know Lego I grew up with it and uh, but this is what it says Lego drag queen features uh, and and um, have been introduced into the Lego range. The Lego group has been making Legos since 1949. I played with their building blocks, as did our sons. Now our grandchildren are continuing the tradition. Uh, Legos, before now, were known for uh, two characteristics. They can be used to build nearly anything, and they're incredibly painful to step on uh, barefooted. Now, I think, you know, we can both attest to uh, uh, to that reality. Now we can add a third. Legos are promoting uh, LGBTQ activism. The company's tweet reads, We're super excited to reveal our new set, uh, 
uh, of Lego. Everyone is awesome because we celebrate every Lego builder. Uh, along with a picture of Lego figures in a variety of, e- of colours and physical characteristics, the creator of the series adds that the purple figure was meant as a clear nod to the fabulous drag queens out there. Uh, more and more companies, the article says, are going Woke. Now, we're going to talk about that term on another occasion. Adopting progressive agendas that usually include LGBTQ advocacy. Uh, now, they do so for at least one of a number of different reasons. Sometimes it's their younger employees that are pushing uh, the, the company. Their employees see the company as a platform for personal brand uh, and want to use its influence to expand their own influence. CEOs are sometimes concerned about cancel culture threats if they don't adopt progressive agendas. Company leaders often personally embrace the ideology uh, of, of progressive ideology, then express it through the company's products. And as I was reading this, I'm sort of saying, hey, you know, where does Lego actually fit in all of this, you know, here's a big company that's pushing a particular agenda. Traditional com- traditionally, companies were actually there to simply make a profit and they didn't push any particular agenda. But all that is actually changing. Now, the article actually goes on to say, how do we respond to that as Christian individuals? And the author actually made five Suggestions. He suggested that there were five real imperatives that we needed to adopt as Bible-believing Christians. And uh, uh, this is this is what he said. Jesus noted that the sons of this world are often more shrewd in their dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. While many evangelicals have been living as though the world would always be what it has been, those advocating for LGBTQ advancement and other progressive agendas have been working systematically and strategically to bring about the changes we're witnessing today. It's time for Christians to respond in kind. I believe that the following imperatives to be crucial to the future of society. Be empowered, the author suggests, daily by God's spirit to be the change agent you wish to be. That's, to me, so important, to allow the Holy Spirit to move each of us, to speak in whatever sphere that we currently have influence, to study Scripture daily and systematically for encouragement and understanding about how we should answer and how we should respond. Focus on, and this is the one that I particularly want to pick up on, Focus on discipling your children and grandchildren, remembering that the Christian faith is always one generation from extinction. Now, Eric, discipling children and grandchildren, in other words, what Lego is attempting to do is to push a particular agenda on our children. How does a Christian, how can a parent or a grandparent uh, disciple 
disciple their child or their grandchildren so that they adopt a biblical worldview. How would you respond to that? Well, I think, first of all, Gary, we have to realise that our children are not just our children, but they're brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And as such, when we go to a church, we put a lot of effort into the training and, uh, and understanding Scripture at church. But in the home... Uh, is so important there because as we know the schools have pulled away from even presenting the Christian side of things. It's create, it's on evolution and that's about it. So I believe that, um, the parent has a, a huge responsibility. The Bible talks about this, that the mother and father should train up their children, uh, in the way they should go. And so it's got to be done young. Um, that's the key is to do it young. And that's what Lego is attempting to do, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's coming in with, um, with what, it's actually making a political statement, really. It's bringing in these things here. Yeah. It's bringing in, um, you know, drag queens and things into the realm of children at a very, very young age who don't understand what that actually character is. So I think you've got to set a present in your home through family worship is a big one. In our day, we had family worship. Okay, just um, let me pick up on, on this one. You're saying that family worship is that now this is an will be a new concept to some of our our listeners you believe you believe in a thing called family worship yeah definitely and i and you know we used to have little like just songs for them just little simple children's songs we used to have little bible stories just the the, the well-known ones for the children and then when they got older they would actually read the stories we would read the stories to them early so and then prayer was an important part of it as well where we had prayer time together i mean in, in our home we always have grace, and the mm-hmm. children say start to say grace at a young age. You know, it's built into the into the belief system of a child. And if you don't get that belief system in early, well, these things from the world are going to come in. And and what are they going to stand on? You know, what are these children? Which way are they going to go? Uh, where are they going to get the teaching from if they're not going to get it uh, when they leave home? Yeah. Where are they going to get it from? They're not going to get it at school. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to get it out in the community. It has to be from the home. Yeah, and that is the big issue. And and through that, you make it a fun time. Okay. You know, okay. make it a, an enjoyable time, something they look forward to okay. and, and look forward to it, yeah. Okay, but ha- I'm really interested in this concept of family worship because I'm, I'm so conscious that this uh, it's certainly something that when uh, when when we had children, we certainly attempted to actually put into, into place there, but how regularly did you have family worship, just so our, our listeners are aware? Well, we had it every day. Like in the evening? Day. In the evening. Yeah, we found morning was hectic and yes, yes. getting up to school. So uh, at night we made time for family worship for sure. Okay. And that was – that was um, and, and that, I'll tell you what, um, it, it's good for, for us too to do it with the children because it builds that bond. You know, yeah. this is a bond yeah. as well. It has, a, has several purposes, but that, that is so important. And, and it's through prayer, praying, uh, them getting to know the Bible through the stories and the singing – uh, brings joy, you know. Um, but then against that, you've got everything else that's happening in the world. So you've got to have that grounding, I think. In well, one of the things I know that, you know, certainly that I used to really like doing is uh, we'd start off uh, family family worship by simply asking a question, how has your day been? Yeah. And so that yeah. you can actually merge, you know, sort of a little bit of a, a sharing time because I'm conscious that uh, so often, uh, certainly, certainly today, uh, even meal times uh, are not a, a family come together time, but family worship actually gives the opportunity for families to, to come together and actually talk. It's a, it's a device free time yes. uh, where you sort of yeah. put your devices down yeah. and, you know, you can start off by saying, 
saying, hey, how's your day been today? Mm. And, you know, just some straight sharing on that I found to be, you know, incredibly... uh, incredibly productive in understanding where everybody else is at and then as you as you say as well i know that myself uh, i used to really uh, really appreciate uh, i'm not sure that the you know our kids always appreciated uh, singing but you know i mean mm. we we used to particularly when the children were younger mm. spend some time with uh, you know just christian choruses and just just singing together was something that i know that i really appreciated uh, and then of course as you've rightly said you know some of the bible stories you know some of our kids aren't they don't hear them anywhere else and you know to do to be able to share uh, the story of Daniel on the lines then there's so many stories in fact uh, you used to sell a set of books I think they were called uh, the Bible story or something mm. yeah they're my favorites yeah and they're actually uh, used I know that uh, uh, some folks have actually used them in different churches um, to give sermons from because it's actually the Bible and story form starting off yeah. in Genesis going through and for the younger ones there was my Bible friends which okay. had a little cassette tape and you'd put it on you know a little cassette tape you know what they <laughs> back then and uh, it would it would, read the, <laughs> it would read the story out and have the background, the baby yeah. crying, Moses yeah. and that. Yeah. So all that's good and it actually adds to it. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. They, they And for the children, they remember those stories, you know. And, and my actually my son has a set in his library that he used to use when we were kids. So he has it On cassette? No, no, no. I'm talking about the Bible story, the big one. Okay. And he actually has them for his own children. I see it on there, and he has it out for his children. Yeah, so it's moved yeah. on generation to generation. Yeah. 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 Look, and in fact, yeah. can I share? Look, if any of you are, if anyone would like to get hold of, you know, the, some of the the Bible story uh, books for children, uh, look, please just text us at our text number, and we'll. Uh, the, these are available for purchase. These are we can't give these ones uh, these ones around. But if you'd like us to put you on to somebody who can actually introduce you to these these books, then please just text us at um, uh, our drive time request number, which is 0488 880811. That number again is 0488 880811. 811 and we're happy uh, to refer you on to somebody who can actually pick up some of the and you'll be able to pick up some of these children's books they're really beautiful books just um, text it with the code word uh, children's books um, give us your name and your address your phone number and uh, we'll pass that on to uh, uh, to somebody who can uh, really help you out you know it is just so important to be able to teach our children in the same way that Lego is trying trying to teach uh, your children today. Uh, Let's enjoy some music. This is Christian Badal and uh, his words are Find us, find us faithful. These are really beautiful songs. On the journey of the narrow road And those who've gone before us Lined the way Cheering on the faithful Encouraging the weary Their lives a stirring testament To God's sustaining grace Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses Let us run the race not only for the prize 
But as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the Faithful, uh, he's a he's a powerful singer, Christian Badal. I really appreciated uh, that. Our free gift for you today is uh, is a little book entitled Judgment and Hell. This week we're talking about the issue of judgment and the issue of hell, and uh, uh, this is uh, subtitled God May Be Kinder Than You Think, with down to earth language woven into a skillful yet pragmatic Bible study. Jim Eyre shines the light of Bible truth to reveal a God who always acts with justice, mercy, and most importantly, absolute love and fairness. 
This is a, a book that you'll appreciate, uh, the way our God does relate to humanity. The book's entitled Judgment and Hell. Uh, look, if you'd like a copy of this book, it really summarizes everything that we're sharing uh, this week. Uh, then please, again, just text your name, your address, your phone number. Uh, just text it to, uh, uh, to, to us here at the, at, at the studio. Uh, that number again is 0488 880811. Uh, also, uh, thank you so much for those of you who, uh, who have texted us in, uh, requesting information about those children's books. Look, if you, if there are any of our listeners who would like to be introduced to these children's books, we can't actually give these ones away, but we do have somebody who would love to be able to drop in and just touch base with you and, uh, and they will offer them, uh, offer them to you. Uh, they do come at a at, at a cost, uh, but these are excellent children's children's books. Excellent for children and grandchildren. Just text us here at uh, 0488 880811. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're discussing, was God good? When he created hell, today we're simply asking, what did Christ say about judgment and hell? It's a survey that uh, occurred here in uh, here in Oz, and uh, uh, a number of articles were written from the survey. And this particular article was entitled Nine Reasons Why Some People Abandon Christianity," and uh, it was uh, it was certainly an article that. Uh, challenged my thinking and uh, this is what the article said we live in a culture that is apathetic towards religion in america most people at least know of jesus but many don't identify as being christian i'm sure most of us can think of a handful of people in our circle of influence that identify as atheist agnostic or maybe even just simply nothing at all co-workers neighbors family members uh, teammates friends we all know people like Let's call him Sam. Sam grew up in a conservative Christian household but drifted away from the church in college for any number of reasons. He has big issues with Christianity in generally. The uh, church's history of advancing political agendas under the guise of religion really turns him off. The rampant sexual abuse in the church Laws, church laws that prevent him from doing the things that he wants, having sex, getting drunk, etc., etc. Talking to friends like Sam can push you to think deeper about your own faith. There is a number of reasons why people abandon or choose not to adopt Christianity. We can talk to them, but these issues keep surfacing. I was really interested. The survey that uh, uh, that was done uh, identified a number of issues that caused people to move away from Christianity. Uh, one of the first was the issue of parents. Research showed time and time again the significant and important role that parents play in religious identity. And then it said, particularly the fathers. Homes in which only one parent participates in religion or where where it was not strongly reinforced are a strong factor in the child's eventual decline into non-belief. Now, I came from a one-parent believing family, uh, so it's not always the case. 
but you know, I found that research, uh, particularly compelling. Uh, issues of education. When the individuals go to university particularly, it is often enough to shake and shake a, a person's belief if it is, if it's not solidly founded. Another reason people move away from Christianity is the issue of misfortune. The loss of belief can be tied to experiences of pain and death in life, unanswered prayers, and the typical big why, Lord, questioned. Why, Lord? Questions surrounding experience of suffering and pain lead many to reject their religious upbringing. Then there are friends, colleagues or lovers who move the person in an opposite direction. But then, as I read this article, I came to one particular issue that really jumped out at me. And one of the issues that have encouraged people to abandon their Christian faith is, in fact, this issue of Satan and hell. Many non-Christians who grew up as Protestant and Catholic households, were ingrained with a deep fear of Satan and hell. As they grew up, this fear became so overwhelming that they began to resent this aspect of Christianity, which led them to question their beliefs. The intensity of the fear can also lead to the need to escape such a feeling, which which results in de-conversion. You know, as I read that, Eric, it really jumped out at me that uh, people have actually moved away, and certainly uh, from time immemorial, I'm aware that this has actually been the case. People have moved away from Christianity uh, because of this belief of hell. You know, how can a loving God fry people for eternity? Now, we're going to come to this issue of frying people for eternity tomorrow, but today I just really would like us to look at this issue of what did Jesus actually say to his disciples about the issue of judgment and hell because it's so important that we have an understanding of what the scriptures are actually saying on this particular matter help us out Eric. well gary you know um judgment really isn't taught much in churches these days when you look that's at, true it's uh it's uh, i remember in the past you know it used to be helen firestone brim you know t- taught from the front and, and pulpits and the, they really gave it to you but let me ask you something gary have you ever been in a courtroom I have, yes. Been, yes, I've, I, I, I've certainly had to, uh, I've sat with church members, uh, who are actually been made, various accusations have been made against them, and I've sat through entire court cases that in some cases went for four or five days, uh, and I was just there with them, but on numerous occasions, certainly been in a courtroom. Mm. Yeah. Well, I've been with some, uh, some folks too that have been, you know, like just starting to study the Bible, and I've, I've turned up to support them. Yeah. And often I've seen them um, look at to see who the judge was and they would say, oh, no, not him, not the one who's going to judge me, not him again. Because they have, through their experiences, have realized that this is quite a hard judge. So people do f- can fear the judgment. Uh, I, do you like being judged? No, no. Uh, and, and that's certainly one of the major issues that we've actually got in this world because, you know, people are continually, I don't want to be judged. You've got no right to judge me is something that we hear perennially in our world today. Mm. And we find too that uh, a lot of people find it very difficult to believe that a God who loves us can actually do some of these things that is talked about Indeed. in the Bible. Indeed. And so um, it's very important to know 
that there is a day set for judgment. There is a judgment coming. And it's actually found in Acts 17, 30 and 31, where it reads, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all, by raising him from the dead. So there is a day of judgment coming. Okay. Clear in the Bible, there is a judgment. Okay, and of course, this is something that Christ certainly put into his, his parables, he certainly put into his teaching with his disciples, that one of the great realities is the reality of judgment. Mm. And and there has to be a judgment because of the world is corrupted. We're corrupted by sin. Sin has to end. Uh, and in the new world, you can't have sin abounding there. It'll be like a cancer. So uh, the, the sin is to disobey or abuse God's laws. It's to it's to do harm to others. Interesting to me, who's going to do the judging? Because to mm. me, that actually gives me a hope. Actually. To know who will do the judging. It, it actually mentioned him here. Um, who will be the role? It's actually found more clearly in John five twenty one to 23. It says this, For just as the Father raised the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, mm-hmm. but has entrusted all judgment to the Son that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. It's telling us here that the Father hands to Jesus. It mentioned him in the other verse, by a man whom he had appointed, the man he became, Mm -hmm. and gave assurance by raising him from the dead, talking about Jesus Christ. So the one who has the the, uh, job, if you like, of, of bringing forth this judgment, is actually Jesus Christ. This, to me, is actually incredibly encouraging, uh, Eric, because what it means is this, is that Jesus, of course, came to came to earth, uh, as the, the Scripture teaches us. He came to earth, and he was prepared to die for me. In other words, he wants me saved. In other words, he is biased in my favour. That's right. And, and as I look at that, I sort of say, hey, to me, that has to give me incredible hope because the one who is going to be judge is actually bias, but he's biased in my favour. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and the thing that really got me as I read and studied these verses, I thought, well, you know, the Father is honouring the Son for what he did on this earth. Yeah. That he, that he walked amongst men, that he took the abuse here, that he showed us what Christ, what the Father was like. Yeah. And so he, he understood that Jesus had the understanding of what he had been through on this earth, the experiences as we go through, build up how we react. And the way Jesus reacted, the Father was so pleased, you know. And so um, he 
handed this over to the Son, which I think is so important. Um, but it says also in Revelation twenty eleven fifteen, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the book. So here we find there's a book of life. Okay. Okay. So in other words, we've, there's going to be a judgment, but, and the judgment has been committed to the sun, Mm -hmm. which gives bias in our favor. Mm -hmm. But then the judgment is going to occur apparently at the end of time. Yes, that's right. Yep. It's at the end of time because, and, and looking at that, when you think about it, you know, when Jesus uh, came the second time, he was born and then he came the second time, uh, when he comes the second time, the judgment must have taken place because we're going to read verses where it said that the angels will go out and raise those to life who believe in him. Yeah. So the judgment must take place before Jesus comes back, but the penalty of the judgment is handed out later. Okay, yeah. okay. So yeah. basically what we've actually got here is something that is, uh, it provides accountability. You know, sometimes one of the things I'm really conscious of is that people say, hey, look, you know, I don't want people to to judge me. But my response to them so many times is, do you believe that Adolf Hitler should be held accountable for the six million Jews that he that he killed. Should he be held accountable for the for that war that brought devastation on our earth? And to a man, everyone says, "Ah, yes, he should be held accountable." And then I say to them, "Hey, uh, do you believe that the people who were who raped uh, and pillaged should be held accountable?" Yes, they should. You know, to me, when people start to sit down and think about this issue of judgment, they they start to understand that judgment actually equals accountability. And people are being called to account for how they've actually lived their life. And most people, when they start to think about it, start to realize that accountability is actually a fair and reasonable thing in the world in which we're living. Well, if you look and see what's happening on social media today, the comments that come up when somebody has committed a huge crime like killing a baby or something and they only get so many years, there's an uproar There's yeah. an uproar because they feel that no justice, but there's no accountability there yeah. in these situations. And it, and what Christ is saying here is that there, there, that there is a time when there has to be accountability uh, because he loves us and, and, and we can't have that carrying on so it will be shown that he is fair and just at yeah, the end of yeah. and of course one of the things that people often say have certainly said to me is why doesn't God do something if he is an all powerful God why doesn't he do something and yet what we find in for example uh, uh, Second Peter he is not willing that any should perish mm. but that all might come to repentance and right. to me we've got a very beautiful thing that occurs within the scriptures because he is holding off at this particular point in time because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. But ultimately, 
People have been laid in their graves. And ultimately what the scriptures teach is that there is a day of judgment. There is a day of accountability. There is a day when the Hitlers of this world have to be accountable for the things which they have done. And uh, I, I love the way that um, the Bible, the way Jesus uses parables to bring out some of the, the, exactly what you're saying. And that's found in, if I could go to Matthew thirteen twenty four to 30, it says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in this field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds appeared also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? And an enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked, Do you want us to go and pull, pull them out? And no, he answered, because while you're pulling out the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them into bundles to be burnt, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. So what this is talking about, and he he goes on and explains that later. If I could just read out... um, Matthew thirteen thirty six to 40, he says, Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the fields. We don't understand it. And he answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man, Jesus Christ. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They'll be thrown into the blazing furnace, where will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. To me, it's really interesting. It's telling us that in the church in society that the the they to grow together the weeds and we can't judge and say who's in the kingdom and who's not mm. that is this that is jesus's role to sort out what happens he sends out the angels to redeem his he, is the judge, he is the judge and the judgment mm. is actually occurring at the end of the mm. age yes. and according to what this parable is actually teaching is that those who are judged uh, mm. or held accountable for those things which they have done are cast into this place called a lake of fire yep. in other words yes there is fire mm. but it seems to be at the end of the age now to me that's really important because what it means is that there's actually nobody in hell in burning fire right now. No, that's right. And what we've covered before is that when Jesus comes, there'll be a resurrection of the righteous. And those that are alive will be killed by the brightness of his coming. So there's still those that are wicked still in the graves. And then it says after a thousand years, the the city comes down and and the earth is made new. But what happens then is the dead are raised uh, that weren't raised before and they come and they try to take the city and they are cleansed by fire. The earth cleanses them. It it wipes them out. They are burnt. There's nothing left. And so there is no, um, there's no hell. When we die, we've talked about before that we, we, it's like a sleep. He uses sleep all the time for death. We go to our graves. There's no thought. We don't return to our home. It's Mm. like a sleep. Sleep. 
Mm. And then when Jesus comes, there's a resurrection. So this this fire we're talking about here is at the end of the. Uh, it's the second. It's when Christ comes back after that thousand years. That that's what he overcome when he went to the cross. That's the greatest. Miracle and of course, of what you're talking about now, mm. we're actually talking about in Revelation chapter chapter twenty. Actually, digs mm. right into into this and talks about uh, so many things that are happening at the end of the age. But look, mm. let's have a little bit of break right now. I'm uh, I'm conscious that our time. Is starting to come away from us. Uh, let's come to the Bessie Choir. I want Jesus uh, more than anything.
is the Bessie Choir. I want Jesus more than anything. And now, look, our free gift for you today is uh, the book uh, uh, Judgment at Hell. God may be kinder uh, than you think. Uh, it's down to earth. It's got down to earth language. It's woven into a skillful yet pragmatic Bible study. Jim Eyre shares the light of the Bible truth to reveal a God who always acts with justice, mercy, and most importantly, absolute love and fairness. This is a really beautiful little book. It's called Judgment and Hell. God may be kinder than you uh, than you might ever think. If you would like a copy uh, of this, it sums up so much of what we're talking about today. Then please just text us uh, at our our drive time text number oh four double eight double eight oh. 811 and uh, we'll get it to you uh, in the next uh, in the next week or so. Uh, this is a really beaut uh, little little book. That number again is 0488 880811. That's also the same number if you would like someone to contact you about uh, purchasing some of those children's books, uh, then please also text us to uh, that particular number and just uh, say children's books and we'll know and we'll put you on to somebody. Uh, that number is 0488880811. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Eric Hoare and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this week we're discussing uh, how good was God when he created hell. Uh, today we're simply asking, what did Christ say about judgment and hell? Eric, bring it all together for us. We've got just a few moments uh, left. Uh, Christ told another parable, I understand, uh, that said something very similar uh, to what we've just been speaking about. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Matthew twenty-five thirty-one to 34 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goat on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So this is telling that all nations, this is everybody, this is yeah. the whole fair dinkum lot. doesn't matter whether you're a king or a and queen you can't or whatever. burn somebody. It's not fair to burn someone before they are judged, is it? No, it's not. And it's interesting to note too, Pastor Gary, when we talked about the weeds growing up amongst the wheat, the Greek word for weeds is poisonous weeds. These mm. were just not normal weeds. These were something that was devastating, still loud. So it tells us that Christ is going to separate two groups, those that are saved and those who are not saved, that are wicked, and they're going to be burnt. So when he comes and that happens, the judgment takes place before Jesus comes back to this earth. The angels go and take out of the graves. Those that are resurrected are those who believe in Christ. And in Malachi 4, 1 to 3, you know, says this, Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root nor a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. So there's no hell. There's no people burning in hell. 
well, it says here that they're ashes, that they're, they're completely burnt, and that's what that's what happens. This this really puts a totally different perspective on the character of God, doesn't it, Eric? Because yes. you know uh, the the doctrine that uh, you've get, and tomorrow we're going to dig into this uh, this thought that hell goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. We've got Pastor David Butcher here; he's the president of the Seventh Day Adventist Church here in South Oz, and uh, we're going to be talking about that particular subject because it's an, it's a subject that has confused so many individuals and yet what it does for the character of God. Can you imagine? I mean, even Hitler was able to, he, he could torture people, but once people had died, he had no more power over them. Mm. Can you imagine that we've actually got, is it possible that God was is worse than Hitler? Mm. You know, to, to me, uh, that's what the doctrine of hell actually does to God. It's against the character of God that he would allow that to happen to people. They'll be tortured forever in a fire pit, you know, with, with somebody with a fork and horns and, and the fire there. It's a completely against what the character of God is. I used to believe that, you know, told that if you're naughty, you're going to hell. Yeah, you know, you're yeah, going to go yeah. to a really bad place. Well, that doesn't exist in the Bible. There's no a place where there is a fire burning where people who have died are there now. You know, what a people, a lot of people don't actually realise is that there's as there's as many passages in the Scripture that talk about uh, those who are uh, evil being destroyed mm. as there is of this. Uh, Forever and ever, a phrase that is that appears within the scripture. And of course, what we need to actually understand is what that phrase actually meant at the time when it was actually written uh, back in the in the days of the apostles. It's no use putting uh, uh, imposing our particular view on it today. We need to understand where did this view of forever and ever where did it actually come from? Many people are actually really surprised uh, when they understand the. Origin of that particular that particular belief. That's mm. right. Yep. And you're going to cover that tomorrow night, aren't you? And I we're covering that much. tomorrow night. You know, that's we, we 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 don't want to give too much away because. Mm. But to me, you know, uh, what I have discovered is many people when they come to understand what the character of God is really like, mm. when they understand the way that God is actually going to work towards the wicked, they actually turn around. And they say, "Hey, Pastor, that actually makes sense. That is actually." quite fair uh, yeah, and I'd like to finish with the text here which is really important, you've said it earlier the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance and that's the key isn't it, it is. that he wants everybody to be saved not to not to have this other thing happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, uh, that's one of the issues that uh, people have actually said to me. You know, Pastor, why yeah. is it that God doesn't doesn't come? I mean, He yeah. seems to delay. He seems to put it off. He seems to put off His uh, this second coming. Uh, and I've, and I've said to so many people, I've said, Hey, look, you know what we've got is Jesus Christ is our elder brother. He has an incredible concern for each one of us. And what He says you know, through Peter is He's not willing that any should perish not you not me not the worst person he's not willing that any but rather that they might all come to repentance you know as a as a as a parent i'm so conscious of the way that i'm prepared the way i want to work with my children 
so that they uh, will come and make better decisions. Mm. You know, what we've got is a God who wants to do exactly the same thing. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like that parable, you know, with them in the sheep pen, 99 there. Where was, where was the shepherd? Where was God? He was out there searching for that last one, that last one. While all the others were happy inside and safe, he's out there searching for that last one. That's what exactly. Jesus is saying. That's the about. character of our God. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you that you are a God that is going to hold people accountable. Lord, there is a need for accountability. Uh, Lord, we want to say thank you for being the God who also wants to wants to save us. He's not not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. Lord, I'm just so conscious that if there's somebody there today that says, "Hey, you know, I've gone too far," I pray that you might touch them by your Spirit. Lord, I just pray that you might touch them by uh, what Peter did actually say, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I pray, Lord, that they might indeed uh, come to you in repentance and that you might speak to them by your spirit and simply say, my child, uh, you are mine. Uh, Lord, uh, I just want to say thank you that ultimately you want to cleanse this earth, but ultimately that fire will go out. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for the, the word is actually saying to us. I pray, Lord, that you might be the one to bless and to guide every every person that's hearing us right now. Lord, I just ask, we pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, Eric, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining uh, Pastor Eric uh, and Pastor Gary on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'm sharing with Pastor David Butcher and we ask, does burn, does hell burn forever? I really look forward to you being with us. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.